Welcome to episode two of the uh, Sheffield Steelers podcast. You're very welcome. And we're going to start off by speaking with Steelers head coach Aaron Fox. Is that the name of the podcast? That's the name of the podcast. Like You're it. very welcome. Like yeah, it. very welcome. Um, Aaron, talk us through the whole weekend, if you can. Just give us your overriding uh, impressions of the of the past 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a good weekend for us. Um, got off to a little bit of a slow start yesterday, down down 3 nothing midway through the second and then the boys kind of turned it on showed some good character and, and found a way to to feed off the energy of these fans here and come come in for a nice win tonight um obviously again we got off to a good start we had a little bit of lull there during the second but i felt like uh we stuck with it in the third came out and, and pumped two home in 11 seconds there and found a way to to ride into the weekend here on a good note so it was a really good week for us a couple of bumps and bruises on saturday but you came through okay tonight yeah i think we were injury free tonight which is good um the injury bug obviously is something that you really try to stay away from in, in preseason camp. I was saying maybe we should only play one game, but I don't think the owners would, would like to only play <laughs> one home game um, during camp. But, you know, the important thing is us being ready for August 31st. And some some other guys got some extra ice time tonight, which was good to see. Um, but hopefully we'll have everybody back ready to go Saturday. What have you learned about your team this weekend? Ah, good group, really good group, high energy, high character. Um, you know, I think there's, we're gonna, you're gonna find us scoring in bunches a lot this year. Um, we're gonna have three lines that can all really, really score, and then, you know, when healthy, we'll have a fourth line that plays with a ton of energy and and can, can go and create some havoc um, on the other end. So it'll be, you know, I think it'll be an exciting year for us, and really liked what I saw this weekend. You're gonna have a few head scratchy moments, aren't you, when it comes to, like the power play? You've got a lot of guys out there who are super skilled. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just getting getting them to compete you know every night as well that's that's what our goal is going to be that competitive culture i think will be really really good for our group um you know there's going to be some guys that maybe august 31st on our pp and are a little disappointed but we'll we'll have to find a, a role for them on those nights that they're not out there and you know usually things take care of themselves that way with the injuries and you know 70 plus games everyone will have that opportunity it's you know our our mantra is you know accept the role you're given that night and and be a team player, and we're, we're all in this together. What about the goaltending? Talk to us about how you saw the two guys. You know, I thought they both looked really, really good, actually. Um, you know, I, I think Pavel gave up more goals than, than Thomas this weekend, but I, I felt that the group didn't play great the first 30 yesterday for Pavel, and, you know, we played a, a lot better game for Thomas the last 30, and tonight Thomas came in and, again, really smart, clever goalie, plays safe selection, is excellent, um, compact, not a little, not a lot of extra movement, and Pavel plays that bigger butterfly style that kind of moves from side to side real well, um, plays the puck real well. So I, I really like the situation we have back there right now. Like I'm really comfortable that either guy can win us games on any night. Okay, the week ahead, we'll get back to work. Yeah. Um, tomorrow is just going to be a little bit of R and R. We're going to have the guys in, but it's going to be, you know, get a massage, get a light flush. Um, get any work done you need on your body, and then we'll get back to work on Tuesday. Do you think you'll have the guys that aren't in the lineup today back in the lineup for the Budapest game? I would think so, um, unless anything changes. I'm pretty sure that if any, if tonight was August 31st, you'd see all three of those guys in our lineup yeah. tonight. But there's no reason to push the envelope when uh, you know we have extra bodies and can see some other guys in some different situations. It just made sense to make sure that they got the recovery they needed and, and get ready for next week. Okay, thank you very much. Well, we'll, uh, we're going to go and talk about the weekend. Enjoy. Thank you. I think you've got Luke at the uh, Elite League to uh, to uh, speak. Got everybody here this uh, weekend. So, uh, as always, 
I'm joined by uh, Jonathan and Alex. Where is Alex? Has he he's disappeared? Don't us, Jonathan. Alex is elsewhere at the moment. No, I don't know when he'll be uh, be returning to us, but uh, he knows we're recording, he so he. Uh, we should be popping around uh, sometime soon. Okay, well, when we're at the arena, folks, uh, the way we see this podcast going is that uh, the three of us now would be walking around the corridor and players would be coming in and going out and we'd be grabbing opposition coaches and players and we'd be uh, probably grabbing some of the officials as well and uh, there'd be a lot more content with uh, members of the team. However... And this is an interesting one, actually, and it, and it brings you down, Jonathan, to the philosophy of Aaron Fox. The Sheffield Steelers haven't used the dressing rooms here at I Sheffield to get changed or to get showered in uh, the whole weekend. They actually said home is at the arena, so they've gone over there, they've had their meetings at the arena, they've got changed at the arena, and then in full kit they've wandered over to I Sheffield and just participated in the games, used it in between periods, and uh, and then... Now we've just uh, come away from where Bob Westerdale and Pete Spencer have done their interviews and lo and behold, uh, all the players have, have cleared off over to the arena to, uh, to get their showers. So uh, I think with all the improvements in the arena these days, that's where the boys want to be and that's, that's where home is. It should be the home of the Sheffield Steelers. It is the home of the Steelers. Sometimes we have to pop across the road because, you know, circumstances dictate. But there are fans who on principle, won't come and see the Steelers here because this is not where the Steelers belong. And I think it's really nice to see that the team have bought into the arena being the Steelers' home because, as you said, the work's been put in there by the owners, by SIV, and the Steelers are responding to that and replicating and saying, yeah, this is, this is where we want to be. No more trips to Ice Sheffield now. It's the arena for the final pre-season game and then the rest of the Cup, League and hopefully playoff games to follow. We wouldn't be in a existence as a club I don't think with this building but God are we glad to see the back of it absolutely it's uh, it's a double edged sword here a, isn't it there have been many good nights here and there have been some horrible ones as well your favourite night here favourite night here was the victory against Belfast in the 2011 season Jason Hewitt we were 3-2 down in the third period I was just going to come around. in it was Jason Hewitt and you beat me to it I've been out geeked well, if we want to run through the horrible moments, that's going to take a little bit longer, I'm afraid. Yeah, I can always remember a night here, we lost to Coventry in the playoffs, and we hadn't got the 50-50 winner. And everybody's a bit depressed, and I'm reading the 50-50 number out and reading it out again. And uh, just one second, Dave, if you see Alex, get him to come and join us. Um, and then there's Maddie Soderstrom, he's walking off the bench, he's all high-fiving all of his team, he's walking off and then he puts his hand in his pocket. Not only did he knock us out of the playoffs... He went and won the 50-50 as well. He just about turned, came, took 600 quid and walked off. Happy days. Was that really worse than the Derek Campbell hat-trick for Hull? Oh, that was a horrible night, wasn't it? God, that was a horrible night. And that's it's not just... even including the game against Nottingham, which we never speak about. That game never happened. Didn't happen. It's off the record. It's off the record. Let's, uh, let's go back 24 hours, uh, Jonathan. And uh, you've got your book, I've got our book. And uh, we, 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 we go through it... Um, I think full of anticipation everybody was coming in here and I don't think we were let down as an overall viewer Saturday night. If you wanted a game where stuff happened I ran out of space to record the goals and I ran out of space to record the penalties because we got 11 goals and a missed penalty shot and we saw 17 power plays yeah. and I didn't write down all the penalties that happened after the final whistle had gone. Um, when there was the, uh, the cross check from, from Shooter yeah. and the, uh, the fight involving Griffin. Yeah. 3-0 down and you wondered where the night was going. I don't think any of us were 
overly worried at that stage. It was just a little bit disappointing. But then things just turned around very quickly, didn't they? The story that you were preparing in your head to say is, well, this is their fourth game. They've been in training for a month, of course. They're ahead of the Steelers. But what the Steelers showed is, as Aaron just alluded to there, being a quick strike offence. Once you've got a little bit of momentum, because the Steelers don't look like being a one-line team, the next line that goes out there is just as capable of scoring a goal. And the line that follows that can do it again. There were uh, two goals, well, three goals in two minutes and four seconds and five in the space of 11.30 during the second part of that second period. The one thing I was going to mention before that was Cole Shuja. He was going to try making effort, try and... Hey, good of you to join us, Alex. Um, it was... Cole Shuja was going to come in and he wants to, make a, wants to make his statement on this team. And he took two penalties in the, in the first 10 minutes of the game, just trying to send a message. Um, he's then involved in that big incident at the end. But I think overall, I think Aaron will see what he's trying to do. He's just trying perhaps a little bit too hard, maybe. Yeah, the Steelers uh, conceded during the first of those penalties that he was in the box for. They killed the, successfully the second one. But I think a lot of the frustration was that, well, Poprad have, have had a week of practicing power plays, the one thing they hadn't had chance to work on during their previous three weeks in camp, and they scored on two of their first four power plays. So five on five, the Steelers were, they didn't look inferior to Poprad. Poprad looked maybe a little sharper, but the Steelers still had their moments, even though they didn't get any reward in that first, uh, that first period. But as we saw throughout the weekend, once they got control, the Steelers didn't give it away. Where you been? I got coloured by Dom. So blame Dom when you're listening, Dom. Okay, Dom. Okay, Dom. We're talking about Saturday night, the start of Saturday night, and there was a great vibe from your social media point of view. What kind of feedback were the fans saying as we were, as we were coming into this? Uh, well, it was really positive. I think everybody was just glad that hockey was back, back in Sheffield again. Um, but for me, it was I only got to see the start <laughs> last you night. You had to go to the hospital, didn't you? Yeah, I took James to the hospital last night with his tooth. So was, I think I saw... The first three goals, and then after that, I, I didn't have a clue. So when I got back and I'm asking folk, uh, what did it finish? I just expected a 3-4 game. And they're like, oh, it's 7-4. I was like, what have I missed? Which hospital did you go to? Northern General. Northern General. Yeah. What's it like there at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night? I think it's, you can imagine what a and is like at that time. But, um, yeah, me, James, and his wife went up. And then the fella from Poprad as well. But... Talking about back. <laughs> <laughs> Trust us, Aaron. It hasn't started yet. <laughs> yeah, the fellow from Poprad that damaged his knee as well, he arrived, so it was a full hockey A&E last night. It was indeed. We had a couple of... We were talking in our first edition about the power play. We expected the Steelers to have a good power play. I think... Did we, were we three for eight, three for nine or something on the power play on, on Saturday? It took a while to get going, though. We had a couple of chances in the first period, didn't we? And it, and it didn't click. 0 for 3 in the first period, 3 for 4 in the second, 0 for 2 in the third for a total of 3 for 9. That's why he's here. That's why he's here. One of the things with the Steelers power play, having not had a chance to practice, is they weren't preparing for any particular set play. When you've been working on a plan all week, we're going to do this passing move, we're going to skate to these areas, and we're going to try and score in this particular way. As a result, the Steelers were able to score in lots of different ways, and Poprad didn't know where the threat was coming from. Conversely, flip it over to Poprad's power play tonight, get it to the blue line, and get a powerful shot through. The Steelers knew what was coming, and as long as they cleared the traffic, Cantor got behind it. Poprad were a bit too predictable. 
because they'd had a chance to practice and they probably only practiced that one way of scoring. So if that's the power play without practice, keep it like that because it was full of ideas and invention. It hadn't been constrained by too much coaching. As you were in the hospital, we'll leave you out of this for a second, Alex, but 3-0 down, big turning point was the uh, the double minor, high-sticky minor, 26-50. Steelers then got the power play going. Connolly assisted Dowd at 27-41, 1-3, 29-13, after I just said uh, when I was down in the box, oh, strange move to put Ebley on the part. Oh, he scored, uh, as often happens. Uh, Eric uh, got the assist on that, and Davies. And then DeLuca got his first assisted Anthony Johnson at 29.45, and we were all level. And the whole building changed, didn't it? Instantly, we were, oh, this is all right. And actually, I, Sheffield, developed a little bit of an atmosphere. Last season in pre-season, when the Steelers... Um came back and, and won 3-2. The building got loud, and it's always much louder on the Saturday for the first game than it is for the second game. It was quite muted in there tonight, um, even though the Steelers were, again, building a, a comfortable lead. It, again, it's just when goals come quickly, you've not finished celebrating and talking about the first one before the second one strikes. And, yeah, we, we, you mentioned there that surprised to see Eberly on the power play. We also saw DeLuca and Dowd doing penalty killing. Mm-hmm. John O'Phillips was on the power play. Everybody did a little bit of everything, and nobody looked out of place. They didn't. Which shows that the depth of the squad that we hoped we had appears to be there on the early signs. Whilst you were in hospital, Valoran made it 4-3. Valoran, Dowd, and, uh, and Connolly. Looks aligned, doesn't it? Looks, looks aligned straight away over the whole two days. There seems a bit of chemistry on and off the ice of those boys. Yeah, well, we spoke about it. In, in the first podcast about the players to look for I think I mentioned Connolly I think one of you two mentioned Valoran but nobody ever mentioned the player Dowd um, and I actually made the comment to somebody in passing that it was sort of that chemistry of Dowd, Nelson and Valdix again that it just clicked they knew where each other were and they weren't stressing they weren't gripping the stick too tightly and it, you know, it showed in the, the points category that it paid off it's quick, it's fast, it's just pure offence, isn't it? And when one of them has the puck out wide, the others know the areas to go to. We see them sometimes loitering back post to, uh, to tap in, sometimes they're getting in front for a deflection. They know that there's enough talent on that line that they can be found. Sometimes we've had Steelers lines where you don't know where your teammate's going to skate to next. It seems like these players do have an understanding of where's the right area to go, what pass is he looking to play. And when they got the chances, they took them. This was an efficient scoring set from the Steelers. I don't think there were many shots the Steelers had during those 12 minutes that didn't go in other than the five that did. Eberly did send a message, didn't he? He scores that power play goal to make it 2-3. He then assists on the fifth goal, Connolly second. Valorand also picked up an assist on that. And um, we, we touched on it in that last interview with, uh, with Aaron that he's going to have a few scratching head moments regarding his power play because you can't have three power play lines you know you have two units and that's normally how it stands but Eberle's kind of give him a question I'm sure Eberle was one of the guys he didn't have penciled in for when it really starts on the 31st but but Eberle's going hello I can, I can do a job yeah you sort of think well who's going to be the Matthew R net front presence and John Armstrong's done a bit of that role and he does it well but Eberle is someone that is brave enough, tough enough and awkward enough to shift off his skates mm-hmm. that when he positions himself there, it gives the Steelers that opportunity. Is he going to be smart enough to just draw into the right areas when the time is right to create a 
pocket of space elsewhere? Well, I think with more practice he can be. Um, but again, the more options you have of scoring on the power play, the better it is. And if Eberle can continue to produce, he'll continue to keep his place. Third period, a little bit chippy. Penalty, 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 penalty. <laughs> He's a little rat Connolly, isn't he? And... Um... Not that there's anything bad about that. No, though. that's good. He's, no, he's it's good. Up, if he's putting up goals and assists as well, yeah. but you know, I said to you, David, tonight, I, I don't mind that at all. It's no. you know, it's sort of what we missed last year for sure. That it was that tenacity in a player to to rile somebody up, make them take a penalty. And if you took one, fair enough. But then if on the next shift he came out and he got that assist or he got that goal. You know, he then sends that message back to Aaron. Lenchikov, uh, comrade Lenchikov, as we'll call him now, um, made it 6 3, split the D, went back and shelf, didn't he? And uh, nice finish, nice goal, and made an impact. You weren't expecting that finish to be backhand. You thought, okay, he's moved it to his backhand, now I'm going to drag it forehand. So the fact that he was able to lift it high as he did, I think that really took the netminder by surprise. It's a really high quality finish. From a player who, throughout the weekend, barring one drop pass today towards Armstrong that just went astray and led to a chance going the other way, he was so good in possession of the puck in terms of, if there's a pass on, I'll play it and it'll be tape to tape. And if it's not on, I'll protect the puck and wait till it is on. I thought his decision-making was excellent all weekend. And the goals were the reward he needed to just remind the fans what a good game he'd actually had up till that point. Steelers, of course, would score a seventh as well. It was, uh, it was given to Living, but uh, it was Lemchikov, wasn't it? Yeah, Lemchikov. We, I sat up in bed at the Holiday Inn Express last night writing my match report, and uh, I've typed Living has scored it, and then I watch your commentary on your air lights, and I'm thinking, that's, that's Lemchikov. And how uh, oh, they couldn't see that, God only knows. Um, let's just talk about the incident at the end, because that's uh, what created so much of the... Uh, um, it was a split decision on social media when I was looking at it. Alex, uh, most of them saying, great job, Griff, for getting involved. And some of them saying, oh, Cole, you fool, man, for, uh, for the, for the cross-checker. How do we both see the, the Shudra-Griffin incident? Well, I think as I was coming in, I heard you both on about sort of what started it and the reaction um, in the whole... I think, obviously, I wasn't here. I've only seen the highlights of it. But it looked almost like a nothing incident that then created something that shouldn't have been created, especially was it uh, it was on the buzzer, wasn't it? So it was a... It must, somebody must have said something that Cole disagreed with. But then you touch on that he's trying to make the impact. Probably not the right way to, to put the message out to Aaron if, if that's the kind of fury you're going to cause. You're upstairs, go on. I've got to be careful. I work alongside uh, Father Shudra. And uh, as I understand it, the cross-check, as it was, was intended for the shoulders and the upper body. It was not meant to go near neck and chin. But it did, so it has to be punished because we can't have that happen. Um, But we know, and we've seen it from, from Cole in the past, that he will get involved with the rough stuff. And it's just picking and choosing your moments. And... With another game to come, yeah, I don't mind them getting involved at that stage. I've also absolutely no problem with their guy saying to Griffin, right, let's go. Mm. Because it doesn't matter your age if you're playing your fair game. And there are people saying, oh, he's only 16, he's only a kid. No, if, if you're playing, you're eligible. Mm. And OK, he didn't get much, uh, much chance in the fight. It was three punches and done. But 
Uh, his age has got nothing to do with it. I've also seen a few comments online saying it wasn't a good idea to have all the Brit kids out um, at the end of the game. But well, that was the third time in the game that Griffin, Brown, Shudra and uh, Graham had been out on the ice together. Uh, they'd stuck uh, Aaron Johnson as the fifth member of that line. It was absolutely fine. The two previous shifts, there's no reason why they can't be on the ice together at the end of the game. A couple of things. Firstly, I was with Cole tonight and he goes, oh, I've got to be better. I think he realises that. And he said, like I, like you've just said, that he, he went, he, he thought somebody had had to go with Griff before. He went, he gave the old cross check and it all kicked off there. Hey, Cole's trying to make a name for himself here. He's trying to earn himself a slot on the team. I have no problem with that. Maybe he just got a tad out of hand there. I do have a problem with, with what you've just said. I think there is a code. And the bloke's 32-33 who grabs a kid in a mask. He's got a cager. He knows he's 16. Hey, rag him around, throw him away. Don't drag him to the ice, rip his helmet off and then twat him in the teeth. That's, that's I think, you break the code there. And I think for the experienced players, I think the experienced players would, would go along. Hold on a second. If you want to grab somebody, Billy, grab somebody of your own stature. You don't go in and grab a kid. And I just think that. I think if your kids want to scrap, you know, Jordan grabbed hold of things there. He got a little bit out of hand. He swings a few. But the guy, he's putting his hand in the cage. He knows what's coming there. So I think he's bang out of, uh, bang out of order there. As for Aaron having the kids out there, well, that's what exhibition's for, isn't it? To put the kids out there and to give them extra ice time. Nobody could perceive what was, uh, was going to happen. Yeah, there's, I have no issue with that at all. It's, they, know, they all know each other better than maybe some of the elder players know their games. So for me, it suits them to, to go out in a game like this and play that way. And... Yeah, it kicked off and it was probably it was in their hands of, of how it was dealt to begin with. But as you said, David, that's, that is stepping over the line of the code, so to speak, to, to grab a, a kid in the face yeah. when he's I, got I'm old, I'm old. As you know, I still live in the 1970s, but I'm, I'm old school. I, I like the code. Um, there was consequences, of course, on Saturday night. You were in hospital ward 10 there, you know, with, uh, with Batar. Um, Mellon, who actually I thought had a good first game for us, mm. um, he was out of action as well. So a, f- a couple of little injuries, especially when St-Pierre's there, not ideal. No, I sort of owe Eric Mellon an apology because I don't know what I was expecting from him, but he was much better than I expected him to be. And when we lost him, um, it was a real downer mm. because... He was showing more talent than I expected from him. I think I'd got in my head, here's a big lumbering defenceman that can play forward. It really isn't the case. He is skillful, and he was making some very nice plays, uh, particularly through centre ice. Um, he went down to block it, and yeah, it's just been fired straight into his side. It, it, you can tell straight away that's, that's a nasty one. But if the players are prepared to sell out like that in pre-season, when the games really start to mean something... Uh, that bodes really well. Oh, I was impressed. I like the lad as well. He's a good kid, isn't he? Yeah, very good kid. But I think talking from an ice hockey perspective, his game sort of suits going under the radar. He, he does his job. He, he gets things done. And if, like Jonathan said, he, he will block his shots in a pre-season game, then it bodes well for the actual season. You know this guy's better than us, Alex, because actually we've only, we've only been around him a couple of days together, but you've been around him, and, and I think Mellon's actually quite a big character. He's a good character in the room. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of characters this year in the room. And going back to last year, I, don't, I couldn't yeah. really name you, name you one character that's, that's going to pull, pull everybody together, but Eric's got that 
got that within him. He may not be the loudest, a lot like Jono. He's, he's not the loudest, but when he needs to, I think he, he, will, he will really step up to the front. There's a bromance um, developing here as well, isn't there? The big bromance between Valorant and De Luca. I mean, um, I don't know if you, you wouldn't have seen it yesterday. We're doing the shirt auction. We've left De Luca till last. And De Luca jumps on the table, takes over the microphone from me. And uh, we'll have words about that later. But he'll, uh, and he's bidding, and he's at 250. And I shout, hey, anybody bids 300, you get a date, and Valorant bids. You know, like, there's, there's, there's something going on there. But you talk about characters, and you need a bit of goofiness, especially when you're an older group, I think, because the older guys, yeah, they're married, they've got kids, they want to come to the rink, and they want the goofy young guys to tell them the stories of what's going on at night, what they've been up to, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think Valorand and DeLuca are going to be right in the mix of trouble, aren't they? In a good way. They're going to be naughty scallies, I think, the pair of them. I think you can also rely on them as well. The minute they hit the ice, oh, yeah. that is it. That's game faces are yeah. on, and the, there's no going back for that. Me and you, David, at ringside tonight, where something kicked off early doors with Deluca, and he made sure the guy that hit him knew he was then going to come after him. And you look at him when he's off the ice, joking around, he's posting things on Instagram, and you're like, he's probably a bit of a softy, really. But the minute he's got that orange jersey on, there's a completely different side to DeLuca, but it's, it's a good side. What I like so far and what I've seen is you've got this serious side, you've got this, and I think St. Pierre, serious character, I think Davey's serious character, but then you've got, you know, your Evely, your Valorant, your DeLuca, there's quite a nice little balance developing here. Well, Valorant and DeLuca, you'll, you'll know Alex better than the rest of us, that they're the Steelers sort of primary player, social media representatives they're going to be the first ones on Twitter and on Instagram after every game. And the fans are going to engage with them and they're going to become popular personalities. And I think the interactions they have will get across the, their character, but also what it's like to be a Steeler on this team. You know, if, if things aren't going well, you'll see how much those two are hurting. When things are going well, you'll see how much the team are enjoying it. If you're not following them already, they're the two to be on. Engagement's great, isn't it? Because like those two do engage straight away. And, and it's funny, if we go back, you know, when we were talking about, when we had the forum with, with Tony, and I was saying, oh, Valorant and you and, and DeLuca, you're all kind of mucking around together. And it reminded me of my days with Cranston and Plummer and, and those guys. And, the, and Cranston and Plummer, for example, use those two. They were great in engaging with the fans. Somebody like Rob Wilson, he's not very good at engaging with the fans, but actually was a bigger personality, but just in his own group. And I think we've got some big personalities in the room, but those are the ones who the fans are going to engage with, aren't they? The your De Lucas and your Valorants. They are, and I think it's almost good to have that split, as oh, we've yeah. touched there with Eric, that he is a big character. The fans won't necessarily see that, but they don't need to see it, because De Luca and Valorant are doing that job for everybody else, and, and that's all that really has to do it. If they're not in the top two, or if those two aren't in the top three or four most popular shirts at the shirt launch yeah. uh, next, uh, next couple of weeks, then I'll be very surprised. A couple of guys missing then as we go um, to tonight's game, Sunday night's game. This podcast kind of be brought to you on, uh, on Monday. Um, interesting to see Liam Sill was one of the referees. He's going to clear off to North America shortly in the American League. Um, I've got to be honest with you don't quite understand why we're trying to develop American League referees over here when we're trying to develop on our own, but hey-ho. Um, 
But we got off to a, a much better start, didn't we, uh, Sunday? And it was that Van Hibbley again, delay penalty goal, Armstrong and O'Connor after uh, 8.48, 1-0. And, uh, yeah, oh my lord, it was a great start. It was, and it was followed again, two goals in little over two minutes. So to not just get in front, but to then demoralise Pop Bradley, like they've done it to us again, um, it really does make such a difference. And, again, when the power play clicks for you know, the fourth time in the weekend, it shows Popra, right, you're going to get yourself into trouble if you keep taking penalties. It forced them to sort of, sort of change their plan a little bit. They sort of had to be a little more, you know, a little more careful after that. And having scored on that, they didn't take uh, another penalty for another 15 minutes of game time. And that wasn't the case on the Saturday night. There were penalties throughout. Um, they seemed like Poprad just played a little bit more carefully after that. Yeah. And I think the Steelers lapsed into a few bad habits during the second period and the intensity dropped a little bit. I don't know if he scored a point on Saturday, but Ian Manzano's older brother, Aaron Brockelhurst, they're too similar in looks. Fortunately, Brockelhurst seems to be a better player. Manzano was a good player. Um, very similar, very similar. But Brockelhurst got his first point on the night. I must admit... Nice Mark Matheson replacement there. Because I like Mad Dog. I, I thought Matheson would be a tough player to replace. Um, very calm, very controlled, very steady. But Brockelhurst looks an equal, at least, replacement. I think he looks real top end. He is, and when, when Aaron signed him, he, I think he touched on his, his first pass. I think he said he had a good first pass, but... After these two games, he's got a great first pass. He can, he'll see a pass that probably nobody else will see, yeah. but it is straight to stick or it's into that space that a player needs to skate onto. And I think that's what any good team will need, especially at the back end as well. We, we saw him from ice level, which is an horrible place to watch hockey from. You had the benefit of seeing him from up front. What, he has got that vision, hasn't he? He has. He's not the puck carrier that Matheson is. If you think, you know, he's going to be like Matheson. Well, he's not going to be the same style but he's got the same level of quality. The Steelers were particularly good all weekend at getting the puck out of the zone. There weren't long spells when Poprad were able to pin the Steelers in and the only way you get out is through icing. And it wasn't as though the puck was just nudged into the neutral zone. There was already somebody there to receive the pass in the neutral zone. I thought the Steelers' zone exits all weekend were particularly strong. Poprad brought it back to 2-1. We get into the, uh, the third period and Levine does actually get his goal at 43-51. So he's got a goal this weekend. Big John scored. And you kind of forget, this is Big John's fourth season. We touched on it in episode one. He's going to be a pivotal player in this team and we need him to score and we need him to be involved and we need him to be one of the leaders. And uh, I thought that was good that he got off and uh, he, he got going this weekend. Yeah, I think this was sort of the old, old Big John back. Yeah. I think last year... It was a lot of things obviously going off uh, on the ice. But um, tonight and yesterday, we saw elements of what, what we remember Big John for. It's his net front presence. It's his control of the game, controlling the puck along the boards that he uses his body to full effect. And he knows as well where to be if there's a chance. We're not an overly big team, but he's such a big unit, isn't he? He's a big man. He protects the puck as well as anyone on the Steelers team, particularly against the boards. It's worth watching him um, if you're coming along to the game next Saturday. Um, when he's got possession on the boards, just watch opposition defensemen trying to poke the puck away. He sticks his bum out and there's no way the players can reach around to jab it away because he's such a big figure. 
that he can keep the puck away. And he's intelligent enough and smart enough to realise when a second player's coming in, that means someone's free and he can play all the passes that he needs to. His wall play is excellent. Trust me to be the one that lowers the tone here. But a little bit of ass talk. John Armstrong's backside against David Longstaff's backside. Because I think David Longstaff was the best protector of a puck we've ever had here. But I've got to be honest, that arse of Armstrong, he's, he sticks it out and nobody's getting within a million miles. And that's exactly what Longstaff used to do. He had that core, I think, strength. And if you, girls, if you're listening and you take the top off, Johnny's ripped and he has got a strong core, hasn't he? Longstaff probably wasn't ripped, but Longstaff had a massive strong core and he could protect the puck. And I, and I see Big John in, in, that, in that same presence. Behind the scenes on Steelers TV Live. Hold on, what have you been doing? He is known as Handsome John. Handsome John. So when we need to zoom in on a player, the message will come through from director to cameraman. Can we zoom in on Handsome John? Yeah. And the commentary that's coming through my ear from the director is, ooh, Handsome John. Handsome John. And so when he scored tonight, it was, oh, it all lit up. He's our best looking player, I think, isn't he? Yeah, I'd probably say so. Yeah, he I gets he's the a... most comments from the female yeah. viewers, some male viewers. Yeah, yeah. What he's like? He's ripped. He's good-looking boy. He's about six foot. Well, six three, six four, and he's more mobile than he gets credit for. Yeah, 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 yeah. He models himself on you and me, Jonathan. <coughs> We're athletes. We're athletes. We are. So good old Big John got going. Um, we finished off as well. Uh, uh, five two. Who got five two? Oh, Davies got his first goal. What's our thoughts on Davies? Alex and I had a few uh, thoughts on Davies from downstairs. What was the upstairs view? It looks as though he's going to be the supplier of that. Oh, that's a gorgeous pass. The yeah. one he gave to Eberly for the power play goal yeah. on Saturday was excellent. Um, he didn't make as big an impact as some players did this weekend, but there were moments of quality. The thing I really liked was when he scored. Yeah, the game is pretty much over, but he still wanted to do the big celebration. And the fans are going to respond to someone that pumps out the big celebration. Glove off, rubbing the ice. Come on, there's five minutes to go in pre-season with three goals in front. This goal is not going to be remembered in the grand scheme of things. I like the fact that he enjoys scoring, because if he's going to add goals to to the quality passing, there's there's going to be some... uh, there's going to be some good plays from him this year. I normally find in pre-season, it's the younger guys that make the impact. And that's, you know, if you're like your Valerian, your De Lucas. Your older guys, it's not their first rodeo. You know what? They know it's pre-season. They're getting into the swing. Davies doesn't bother me at all. I think he's going to be a good player. When he's on the puck, he looks very calm. We said, didn't we, downstairs? He slows things down to his level. He has a good look around. He makes that pitch-perfect pass. I don't think he's going to be somebody in the heat of the battle, but I, I think he's a very, very good addition. Yeah, he is. Uh, and you touched on it there, what our comments were throughout the game. He creates, he <coughs> creates his own space and his own time, and it's almost Fretter-esque, you could say. He doesn't necessarily have the same skill set that Fretter brought and that tenacity that Fretter had. But when he finds his pass, he will find it. Hey, if he's Colton Fretter, we've got a good one, haven't we? He's more similar to Lemchigoff in what we've seen yeah. so far this weekend. So if you can keep one of those on each of the top two lines, um, then that's, uh, that's good. I don't think they'll necessarily belong together. Um, they'll probably want, you know... Possibly faster skaters. We've not to say they're slow, but I think they'll benefit from having uh, the quicker uh, the quicker movers around them that they can feed. 
I don't think we've missed anybody out there in, in presence. I think we got the same out of Dave. I thought Dave linked him very well on his line. Um, I thought Davey Phillips had a much better weekend once he got back with Benny, didn't he? I thought, I thought that was a, a pivotal point. He, he, he's, he's a different player when, when Ben's on his side. Well, Ben had a, a rough couple of moments because there was the goal on Saturday that is a little bit unfortunate as the puck comes towards him and he's going to try and kick it to his, his, his stick and it's just taken from him and they're, they're in behind to score. And then tonight with the, uh, well, essentially the, the, un, the own goal, really, for the, uh, the shorthanded uh, two-on-one break that Popper had scored in the, in the third period. But there were so many good things that we saw from Ben O'Connor. He had a real dry spell last season, particularly the second half of the year. The goals dried up, the points dried up. He was back on it tonight, three assists. That's Ben O'Connor. Ben O'Connor's a point getter, and we've got old Ben O'Connor back now. OK. The kids, I thought we saw a little bit more of the kids than I expected to see this weekend. We did. Uh, I thought Griff was really impressive yeah. tonight, especially after what kicked off last night. I didn't want to say, say I was worried about tonight, um, but I didn't think he'd get as much ice time as he did. But he was really composed. There was a few passes that he made. I think at one point he was partnered um, with AJ, and obviously AJ's been in the NHL, he's been there and done that. And Griff didn't look a, out of place playing alongside somebody like Aaron Johnson, which for me was really impressive to no, see. I, I agree, I liked it. And we actually saw Alex Graham, and I, I never thought we'd see him touch the ice this weekend. But OK, injuries perhaps prevailed on that one. But, but fair play to him. He's a bigger unit than I thought. He's a, he's a boy in a man's body, isn't he? Yeah, in terms of, of Graham, he likes to make his presence felt. So when there was a bit of pushing and shoving around the goal tonight uh, that Kieran Brown had, had got involved with, Graham, I'll come in and shove a player over. I have no problem with that. And, you know, he's in the same sort of way as Kieran Brown, doesn't mind a bit of body contact. And uh, when they were out on the ice together, it wasn't a question of, oh, no, they've just got to hang on, hang on, kids. Even starting shifts in their own defensive zone, yeah, win the face-off get in good positions and get the puck down the ice. They did a really good job. I don't think the Brit line was scored on when they were out. And for Griffin, he did spend most of his time with, uh, with Johnson. Tonight, it appeared that he played every third pairing when the team was even strength. He didn't miss a five-on-five -five shift. Got to tell you, as well, he was involved in the Eddie as well, Big John brought him into the Eddie and I thought that was I thought it was a great Eddie this early in the year yeah very impressive um, they thought about that yeah they had which is what we encouraged the players <laughs> to do because the complete contrast to Connolly's um, last night but I think we're all waiting for for Duba's first yeah, we, we all want the Duba one don't we yeah I'll tell you what we want on Steelers TV live can we get the players doing the Eddie to go around both goals. We're having too many half eddies. Half-assed eddies. That's what we're getting. We don't need that. We need, you, we'll, no. we'll make that message tough. You, you go around the goal and you've got to give the fans at all parts of the arena the I chance think, to see your, your man of the match. The guys, the guys who've done it before, they do that. They it's the new guys and really they don't know. Perhaps we, we need to drag them on one I, side. I think with that though, we saw just at the start of the presentation the kind of character Lemmy is because... He was cracking jokes, he was skating around people, yeah. and it's good to see that, obviously, the only Russian on the side, but somebody like that settling in, and he looks settled, and I think for him to be as productive of what we want as a club, I think that's key. I went into the dressing room afterwards, Big John's in there, I says, good Eddie, Big John. He says, he bloody hit me. 
I said, what? He says, no, he's supposed to miss me. He caught him on the chin. Um, Jordan did when he, when he went down. I don't think he did too much damage. Um, is, there, is there a code amongst the Eddie? Oh, if there isn't, we'll find one because I'm a big believer in the code. Um, one person we haven't touched on, uh, whether he had a good weekend or a bad weekend, I think he's had a great summer and I think he's had a great week and I think he's had a great first weekend. He's Aaron Fox. Yeah, I think when the Steelers' goals were flying in in that second period, they were all scored by players who were experienced in the Elite League because we got goals from Connolly and Eberle and DeLuca and Valorand. Yeah, we know they can score. So even if all the new players that have been brought in that are new to the Elite League turn out to be duds, we've got enough there to score some goals and to win some games. And then everybody else stepped up. Yeah. And you think, okay, there's no one that looks out of place here. So there was that concern of thing, okay, yeah, we'll get lots of goals, but yeah, we knew they were going to do well. So once Lentrigev and Davis add themselves to the score sheet, Brocklehurst picks up an assist as well. You're thinking, okay, yeah, the rest of them are slotting in nicely. Yeah, we got out of here what time last night? 10, 10 30? Yeah. I go to the arena today, sign in. Do you know what time he was in? Seven o'clock. It's what you need, isn't it? You lead by example. Um, I think just from a, the social media perspective, I think a lot of the comments coming into these preseason games was, we'll see what kind of coach Aaron Fox is, because I think that was the worry with a lot of the fan base is, well, he can recruit, but can he coach? And I think just the sort of the style of play tonight and nothing really looked to miss over this weekend that it proves that he, he can coach as well. It's funny because as a club, when we interviewed him, there was never a doubt he could coach. This is a man who's played at a very high level. He's been around the KHL and the EBEL level. He's been involved with the coaches. He's employed the coaches. He's recruited the coaches. He's been a part of the whole coaching programme. Just because when people look on elite prospects, he doesn't say, Aaron Fox, elite coach. Um, people, you know, this was no guy, you know, just coming in here a little bit cold. This was a very experienced hockey man. I think he's had a great, you know, when I went in there today, they've got the TVs up on the wall and there was Carter, there was uh, Andy, uh, Thorpe as well, they were all there and they were seriously doing what you would call a professional, diligent job and it was like, you know, I'll go make the coffee or something, you know, they were, uh, they were, they were in fact, Aaron got up and made me a coffee, like it that he knows his place, um, but no, very impressed with him, like the way he holds himself as well, like his demeanour, he'll have a joke, he'll have a crack, but he's actually a very serious individual. Yeah, well, we'll see different versions of Fox throughout the season as the team uh, wins and loses and the league position changes. But he's not doing it alone. You mentioned uh, Carter and you mentioned Andy. There is a coaching team here. So whilst Aaron Fox is the headline name who you'll hear on the interviews, there's a network of staff working along with him and they don't get the publicity as much as they do. But if you're impressed with the Steelers' power play or penalty kill or any other things they're doing... Make sure the video guys and the assistant coaches get their due as well this season. I tell you, I've never been involved in any kind of team that has got a better backroom staff than we have. Danny Moyer, as good as they come. Paul Tether, top of the range, as good as they come. Andy Thorpe, geek genius. You know, complete good top bloke. And he's the one that actually nobody really speaks of much at all, but absolutely genius. And then Carter's coming in, he's fitted in like Andy Glove, hasn't he? He has, and he's... Given his age, he's still so young, but his professionalism as well is above and beyond what you'd probably expect of any 21-year-old. He 
turns up minutes after Aaron, if not before Aaron. I've been to the arena early doors before and Carter's been in the office on his own, on his computer, planning the, the team meeting. And I think it, it speaks wonders to the kind of person that Carter is. We're lucky, aren't we? Because we're kind of behind the scenes and we see it. And hopefully we're portraying to our audience that... Uh, we're very comfortable with, with where this club is at now, right? And where this team is right now. I'm very comfortable. I, I don't know if you two are. You, you jump in here. But, but I'm, I have a lot more confidence now than I had a couple of weeks ago. And I was pretty confident then. But I like what I see. It's gelling. It's fitting. Yeah, I think these two games were vital to get that early flavour of just what we can sort of expect. And I think when me and yourself, David, went to Bassetlaw... Um, Earlier this week, we mentioned that not to get too excited if we had these sort of results, but then not to be too deflated if the results were the opposite way around. And I think next week will be another good game back in the arena. So there's not that first bit of fright if you know the Nottingham game sells out the first week of the season. So they get time to bed into what it's actually like playing in that sort of arena. You happy with where we are? The Slovak League is ranked ninth by the CHL. The Elite League is ranked 12th. They were a team that made their semi-finals. The Steelers did not make the semi-finals of the playoffs last year. It looks as though we've beaten a better team this weekend. They've already played three pre-season games. They've been training for three weeks longer. We look better than they do. That is impressive. It'll be a different challenge, but four power play goals across the weekend, seven for seven on the penalty kill tonight, eight different scorers, I don't know what more you want from two pre-season games than what we've had this weekend. Let's talk about the week ahead. Uh, Thursday, shirt launch, always a big night. People start queuing about one, two o'clock. You can pick your season tickets up at the Crown Plaza, which is the old Holiday Inn Royal Victoria. It's the same place it always is. They've just had a rebranding and a uh, name change there. Quick free plug. Um, that'll be a big night. And then we, we come back to the arena. It'd be good to get home, wouldn't it? Yeah, really good. Um, I think painting finished yesterday, um, so the Looks ice good, is all that. It? it does yeah, look good. It does. Um, there'll still be the few that, that have the say on what it looks like, but at the end of the day, it's paying for the, the calibre of players that we've got in the Steelers jersey this year. Um, but it's, they've done a marvellous job, Elliot and Mike and, and the guys that we have in come and paint the ice and all all the volunteers as well that help. It's, it's looking the part now, and we've obviously mentioned on the last podcast the the change of behind the scenes with the new fitness room that Danny and the guys have now got um, I think in this podcast when we have games at the arena people will get a grip when we'll be walking through all these rooms and and how it's changed in two years is just off the charts how it's changed it's phenomenal now and it's, it's a completely pro setup, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like the Steelers arena now. It's, it is the house of steel. We belong there. It's not just a, a temporary residency. It's, it, it is our arena. And you walk down that corridor, you know that the Steelers belong here. Uh, I think it's marvellous what Tony and, and Dom have managed to put together. Budapest. Josh Pitt. <laughs> Fancy having all summer thinking you played here and then you come back here on your first game. What do we expect from Budapest? You know what, I've not looked at their roster yet, other than knowing they've got Josh Pitt. Uh, I'll tell you more on Thursday. Okay. Um, are we pretty much done here? Is there anybody want to chip in with anything? Go on, yeah. We haven't spoken about our netminders. Okay. So we should do that. Um, Uber. Duba. Duba. 
came into the, came into the game at three three, and immediately saved a two on zero breakaway, and then followed that up by saving a penalty shot. Um, tonight didn't get beaten at all, and so you might think that he's had the better weekend. He also had the biggest slice of luck yesterday when there was a wrist shot from the blue line that I think he must have thought was being dumped into the corner. And it wasn't. It was on goal and it crashed off the post. He was stood by his left post and the puck hits the post on the right-hand side. If that goes in, it looks awful. And he's just had a little bit of luck there. Um, I'm sure that's just a little bit of pre-season. I don't think he's going to be getting beaten with... 60-foot wrist shots again uh, this season. But that was his slice of luck, which he earned from the numerous good saves he'd made before then. I mean, tell us, sell us Cantor, like. Cantor, just look how confidently he dealed with everything that came his way um, on Sunday's game. Beaten by um, a delayed penalty goal and a shorthanded goal. Five on five, the defence did a pretty good job of shifting the traffic around him. Dangerous rebounds? Well, there weren't many of those. Yeah. Um, he's a slightly different style than, uh, than Duba, as Aaron uh, alluded to at the, the interview at the very start. But it's going to be an interesting decision as to who gets the game. We were discussing this a little bit on commentary. Does he do the same next Saturday against Budapest? Does he go 30-30 or does he actually pick his first horse? For me, I think he would go with one um, just to see if it is sort of the right call, so to speak. And who would that one be? If he did that, because I think he'll go 30-30. I haven't spoke to him, because I don't think he'll, he'll make a decision to the Nottingham game. But I think he'll probably go with Cantor mm. at this stage. And I think that will be because he thinks Cantor will get the home start before Duba gets the road start in Nottingham uh, the following night, uh, 1st of September in the Challenge Cup. I think both netmanners will play a game each. And I think it makes sense for at least one of them to have played a full game before they go into it. Because starting a game and not finishing it, that's a little bit frustrating. You want to be the netminder of record and you want to get 60 minutes under your so belt. So you think he'll go, you think he'll go Cantor on Saturday? I would, and I would like him to do that. That's bad news for us. Because we, no we, no we, we want Duba to do an Eddie in early. And we want, to, we want him to play really well against Budapest and do the Eddie and then he can do his little dance thing and we, we, we want to get that going. Could well be. And maybe he does go with that more experienced netminder on the Sunday in Beirut um, against the Panthers. Yeah, and I agree with Jonathan. I think, or well, kind of think, that'll be what he goes for. Um, you just got that vast experience that Duba has. He just looks so calm and going into a building like Nottingham, second game, obviously we won't know what will have happened on the Saturday night until going into Nottingham that morning. And I think that could pay in our favour, having that cool, experienced head, just to, just to calm things down. Them lads had a good Saturday, didn't they? They beat Cardiff 3-2. I think they've been stuffed tonight, haven't yeah, they, by Cardiff? Yeah, they 2-0 today. Like, that's stuffed. Yeah, is that stuffed? Yeah, if it's Nottingham, it's stuffed. Um, be, that's going to be some weekend. I know we're two weeks away from that, but that's going to be some weekend. It always is. It, it always is. Because we um, want to see them, don't we? As much as we, 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 we kind of know them, we've been interested, we want to see what they're really like. The, the general consensus among the Panthers fans yesterday, if their forum is a, a good representative... Forums of their, are not a good representative. Well, their forum was 
quietly pleased with what they saw. Um, I think there were enough things that they were, were happy with to give them confidence moving forward, whether they've seen that again tonight in a 2-0 defeat on the road. Uh, I'm not so sure. I just want to bring one final thing in about Canto, which I didn't mention earlier. Um, one of the goals that um, the Steelers scored tonight by Dowd, fantastic screen by Connolly. He's in front of the netminder, Hallow, and he does a sort of jump in front of him to let the puck go under his skates and under the netminder. Terrific screen. That's exactly the same screen that Canto had in the shape of De Luca, who's in front of him trying to jump to block a shot. So... If you're crediting the Steelers for a great screen, you can't debit Cantor. Mm. He got screened by two of his own players, DeLuca and O'Connor, right in his eye line. No, so, I, I, yeah, I, I, beaten I, I, by a few, but oh, not putting that one I down. Think, I, think we're all, I think we're all happy with everything. Mm. Goaltending, defence, forwards. Uh, it's all well-rounded this year. I think it's hard to find a plug that you're saying, maybe we could do with picking up another one of these, another one of these along the way. I think the early impressions are... Mm, the plugs firmly in the hole and the bath will fill. Yes, yeah. I, I like that. I like that saying. I like that saying. I think we're all doing, the three of us, doing a terrifically good job here of not overhyping and getting too excited. But underneath, I think we're all excited, but probably not showing our full emotions right now. On Sunday night, you didn't see the Steelers. You saw most of the Steelers. Add in Betauer, Melland, Shudra. And Martin St. Pierre. Not bad little pickup, is it? <laughs> yeah, you saw some of the Steelers in pre season. Surely the team won't get worse by adding no. those four names back into it next Saturday. You know, Tony Smith is the world's worst with names. The world's worst with names. On Saturday, he comes out of the, uh, his room here on, uh, at, at I Sheffield. And there's some people standing where they shouldn't be standing. And he thinks it's the uh, pop rad players. So he goes over and in English, he just kind of, excuse me, you know, could you move over? And it's St. Pierre. <laughs> it's, it's like he's number one stud. And he doesn't know his name yet. So uh, all good there. Great. Okay, episode two. Good. Alex is going to edit all this together because we had a... Uh, we had a phone call from Andy Akers in the middle, so we got a little bit of a split to do there. Uh, thanks for listening. We had just over 3,500 of you listen to the first one, which was very pleasant. You're very welcome. And um, hey, more of the same. We'll, uh, we'll speak to you against Budapest. The good news about having one game next weekend, and I was very keen, British Motorcycle Grand Prix on the Sunday. Really, really glad we haven't got a game on the Sunday. What are you, you going to do on your, on your first Sunday off before the uh, league starts? What, what's next Sunday on to you? Uh, I'm going to get ready for work the following day. The kids, uh, the kids are going to be back soon and uh, I've got to get my classroom ready. I must admit, when I saw you yesterday, we walked into our Sheffield together. I was mightily relieved that the kids wouldn't have to see you with that horrendous beard you had in uh, the, the, the summer holiday. I think you'd have frightened them. I think the headmaster would have sent you home if you'd have walked into school with that. I'm not the only teacher we've got in our, uh, in our department that's got a big beard, but yeah, I grew that out. It wasn't just a big beard, it was funnily shaved. It, it was, was a weird beard. It was unshaved and completely untamed and uh, it was grown out of pure boredom this summer, okay. so uh, glad to have hockey back in my life and a, a reason to look presentable again. And what will you be doing on Sunday off? I think back to playing cricket again. Yeah, it's a little bit of the last game of the season. Hey, do we know what's happened with the cricket? Uh, England, Australia, did anything happen? Uh, yeah, set uh, just over 250 to win in 48 overs. Australia finished six down, test drawn. Test drawn, test drawn, OK. And uh, right, after the cricket, preparing for school. A little bit of Valentino Rossi, that's what we'll be doing next week. Right, we'll speak to you after the Budapest game. We'll try and get Josh Pitt on there as well. What kind of reception is, just to finish off, will Pitter get? Uh, an interesting one, I think. He was a very split decision with the fan base. 
obviously he was a second top scorer along the way so people seem to begrudge that when the decision was made not to renew the contract but I think it was a Home run, he was not going to come back. Just selfish, I think, of just blinkered. And, but, but, you know, he scored his points. East Coast League player. But good guy, I had no problems with him. But uh, I don't think he was a... When you see what we've got out there now, what was your thoughts? There's absolutely no reason to boo him. I'll be uh, annoyed if fans think that's the... Some fans think that's the right thing to do. But he's not going to get the Matthew Wah reception no. in uh, a few weeks later when Glasgow return. Um, it'll be nice to see him back. Uh, let's just hope we can keep him off the score sheet. OK, well, that's all for now. We'll uh, speak to you next Saturday night after the game against Budapest. You've just been listening to episode two of the Sheffield Steelers podcast. You were very welcome.